This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstruck Just me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me as always, my man, Cody. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty good, man. We're back for week two of the projection series. Did the NFC last week. We got the AFC going on tonight. Um, I've, I've been updating a couple things. We've already put in the updates for the Dalvin Cook release. We got the James Robinson waiver as well thrown in there today. And so we're updating this thing live. It's it's a struggle to keep up with it live all the time, but we're we're getting there. We're making the we're making the projections and we're we're getting it back out to y'all for the next set of the AFC side this week. Yeah, it's it's always a moving projection you, you talked about it last week we had the initial projections we have cuts you have trades whatever things may happen this summer they're going to constantly get updated so that you have the right information and there's also going to be tweaking that goes on in this process as well which is why you can actually get these a copy of these projections as well and you can do the tweaking of your own and cody tell them how to do that yeah just like last week we had a, we had a good number of people sign up for it last week and it's pretty simple all that you got to do follow me at cody smith tfdr on twitter follow chase at trophy chase tfdr on twitter and subscribe to the fantasy draft room youtube send either me or chase a picture with showing that you are subscribed and followed us and then i will send you out a link to the google sheet drive and you'll have completely free access to all of my projections you can use those or if you want you can also just download the file and you can have free access to manipulate the numbers however you want and however you see fit absolutely yeah and again thank you for everyone who did reach out uh it, it was great to to have people using this tool and using it for their own purposes so uh, another great purpose you can use these for is for underdog fantasy drafts and so we have bbm4 going on the poodles the the pups Everything that's going on right now for Underdog Fantasy, you have to check it out. And Destination Devi has partnered with Underdog Fantasy this year. And if you do use co- promo code TFDR at signup, you can get up to a $100 deposit match on your first deposit. And if you do deposit $10 or more, you will get one year access to the Destination Devi Discord. Uh, incredible conversations going on in there. You're going to get to see uh, see the roster builds that everyone's are everyone is building you'll get a ton of tools in there as well that jay rich puts together that dynasty barry koopa looking at the warp data every different angle um, great conversations and then not to mention just being part of destination debbie itself is uh, is incredible so a one-year access just for depositing ten dollars um, at sign up is incredible again promo code tfdr for up to a hundred dollar deposit match so uh yeah want to roll right in now, I, I want to talk about one thing first. You're mentioning the Discord, and you're mentioning, you know, the you can you can sign up with through Underdog, get the ten dollars in, you get one year access. But I, I've got to shout out the Heisman level yes. again, real quick. I mean, the league that we are about to start up here, this Heroes and Villains League, thirty six team, three copy, full relegation league. If you're in the bottom twelve after the first year, you've got to work your way back up to the top twenty four. I am so psyched for this league, man. 
Um, I, I just want to give a full shout out to everybody there in the Heisman chat over there. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash all gas. Literally the best place. And this league is going to run the summer. I'm sure we're going to talk about it more on here and on this show, on our shows. You'll hear about it all the time throughout. It's going to be a month of absolute hell to draft, but it's going to be a <laughs> damn good time. Yeah, man. Heisman tier is, is the place to be the voice chat, the access to everybody in there, the questions you can ask um, and get answered just immediately. Uh, incredible. And, and as you mentioned, heroes and villains uh, going to be a a blast. It's something that uh, I, I've been looking forward to for a few months now. You know, it's kind of a, a more advanced Royal Rumble um, than, than what we had last year. So the relegation brings a little soccer twist to it. But yeah, it's going to be talked about a ton. And if you're not in Heisman, you're missing out. The, the leagues that Ray and Scott put together, uh, the USFFL style, the, the just every every Heisman League I've been a part of has been uh, so much fun. So, yes, uh, patreon.com forward slash all gas. Make sure you're part of that Heisman tier. Um, if you can't make it in there, make sure you're just part of the Discord in general. Uh, incredible place to be. So, yep, literally the best place to be in all of fantasy football in that Discord where we are every <laughs> single day. But now let's actually go and roll into these projections. And the team that we're going to start off with here, we're going to start off with the AFC East. First player we're going to talk about is actually my highest projected player for all of 2023, Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, you have him, and I'm just going to read through some of the key stats. I'm not going to get into all completion percentage and things like that, just like last week. So he had 610 pass attempts uh, for about 4,600 yards, 38 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions, according to your projections, with 127 rush attempts. 730 rushing yards on the ground and an additional seven touchdowns. So uh, that is going to be an incredible year. And that actually grades out for the overall quarterback one in fantasy. Yeah, the, the overall, I mean, man, Josh Allen's rushing ability combined with how much they air the ball out as well. Um, he doesn't have as high of a rushing floor as some, you know, he does, he's not putting up the fields numbers from last year. He's probably not hitting the Jalen Hurts of the Lamar Jackson numbers, but the floor that he provides along with the rocket arm that he's attached to and how many times he's just going to chuck the ball down the field. I, I, I know Patrick Mahomes is still the QB one in fantasy and dynasty just because of like the staying power that he has. But as long as Josh Allen keeps giving us these 700 yard rushing seasons, I'd have a hard time actually putting him outside of the top two. I I, I have him still well above Jalen Hurts in my mind. Yeah, you've seen a lot of talk lately about Jalen Hurts being uh, you know QB2 behind Patrick Mahomes because of what he can do. I mean, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts both do similar things, great weapons, etc. So just looking at this offense, you're going to have 100 total targets to the running back position, kind of dispersed uh, with James Cook getting the most at 48 total targets. But of course, the biggest note here as far as the pass catchers go is Stefan Diggs getting 166 targets, followed up by Gabe Davis at 86 and then kind of tiered down from there, about 55 uh, targets for the rest. And then looking at Dalton Kincaid leading the tight end room with 89 targets and you're going to have some some big numbers here. So 1400 yards for Diggs and then. 700 for Gabe Davis, but 600 yards for, for Dalton Kincaid. Now, this is a guy that you, you kind of talked about a little bit here. Did these projections come in over or under what you were anticipating based on uh, some of your thoughts on Kincaid? The Kincaid ones definitely came in over what 
it, it's it's difficult, right? Because it just kind of depends upon what you actually think and want to fully believe about what the team has said of using him in the slot. Um, I, I have Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir taking a little bit of a hit in their passing roles just because of Dalton Kincaid having a very increased role in this offense. Truthfully, I have him taking over a lot of a slot role as it's currently projected, and I think I need to tamper it down a little bit. I put out the video on the Fantasy Draft Room or on the Fantasy Draft Room YouTube saying you should probably temper your expectations on him. And it's because this offense has only targeted the tight end over the past four years where they've had Josh Allen, Sean McDermott in this offense. They've only targeted the tight end about an average of 77 times a year. Whew. Now, obviously, that's with Dalton Kincaid. Or not, that's without Dalton Kincaid, and you do have Dawson Knox there, and that's pretty much the only person they've had outside of like Quinton Morris. You know, like he's not a real target getter out there year over year, but they just typically don't use the position like that. So, unless they really change philosophically and end up using the tight end a lot more, I mean, I have what Dalton Kincaid here at a full 89 targets himself. That's yeah. higher than what the tight end has ever gotten in the last four years alone as a total position group. And so I, I do think I need to bring it back a little bit, give a little bit more to the wide receivers, but it's really just how you think this offense is going to function next year philosophically, if they're going to use him in the role that they're saying they're going to. Yeah. I think that's the the big thing to note here is like you have the tight end room getting about 150 targets just under, and that's pretty much double what they've been giving to the tight end position on an annual basis. And yes, they did just spend first round draft capital on a tight end. So theoretically they should be giving more out, but uh, it will be very interesting to see how that actually pans out this year. So I'm with you hundred percent. You do have D Dalton Kincaid um, at tight end nine um, on the season. And I think, you know, 600 yards, seven touchdowns, not a bad season at all. Pretty good. Uh, but I do think that that's probably like the cap. I would be surprised if he had seven, 800 yards and anything more than that. Um, but yeah, tight end nine, that's pretty solid. Then you have the uh, wide receiver five, Stefan Diggs with 1411 touchdowns in the air. And those are the two, I say, major players of note you do have james cook coming in with 30 you know, rb 32 with 750 yards on the ground and an additional 300 yards in the air um, combining for six touchdowns so not a bad season for james cook but that's kind of what you expect out of the number one running back on the bills yeah you're not really expecting much devin singletary's been kind of the lead here for the past couple of years until he went to houston and he's never really been a guy that you're really comfortable locking into your lineup week over week in normal state like start 10 formats i don't think that really changes with james cook going into year two i know people have a lot of hope for damian harris as well i have him basically kind of splitting the workload with these other running backs i don't have him taking over too much i have this really being a running back by committee how it's kind of been for the last couple of years i, I just don't see damian harris at this point of his career taking over for anybody else latavius murray i still think is going to eat into this offense and kind of a hammer role as well he, he he's there and they brought him in for a reason, and I think it's it's for that. Damian Harris, I, I just don't think there's going to be much of a role here for anybody um, outside of Diggs and then maybe Gabe Davis or Khalil Shakir if you're in some best ball formats. Honestly, it's just kind of Stephon Diggs, and it's super targeted, and then take your shot on Kincaid in the right formats. Yeah, just to kind of read off some of the other rankings, you do have Dawson Knox still coming in at tight end 33, um, getting his 48 targets, 360 yards, three touchdowns. And then, like I said, Gabe Davis, uh, wide receiver 45. That's pretty much the only other ones of note uh, for this offense. Even though it's a high-powered offense, you really have Josh Allen, Diggs, and Dalton Kincaid, or, you know, 
if it's not Kincaid, maybe one other pass catcher to to kind of note here. So anyone else you want to touch on with the Buffalo Bills? If Dalton Kincaid doesn't take over the slot role, I do actually like Shakira as a deep dart throw. I've I've liked Shakira since he uh <laughs> since he was coming out last year. And um if if he doesn't if if he can carve out a little bit of the role, he might be a good, you know. I don't think he's anything more than a best ball play, but that's it. Yeah, so. I could see that. See a few extra targets going his way, or maybe uh, D Hop comes into town and, and steals some of those. That would be that would that would ruin everything in the projection sheet. You need to would need ruin to every the... would ruin everything, but I would absolutely love it. I, so. I really want D Hop to be in this offense or the Chiefs' offense. Don't know if it's going to happen, but would yeah. absolutely love it. Hope I can stat him out soon. I'd <laughs> love to hear it. So let's move on from Buffalo to the uh, the Miami Dolphins, another high-powered offense. Uh, looking at Tua Tagovailoa, you have him at 581 pass attempts, 400 and, or sorry, 4,700 yards, 32 touchdowns, 14 interceptions with an additional 100 yards on the ground. So that's a pretty solid season that actually grades out for you as QB 14 on the year. And he's going to have a couple high-powered wide receivers. So I'm just going to look at the targets there. You have 162 targets going to Tyreek, 126 targets going to Jalen Waddle, and then you have 94 total targets going to the running back position dispersed amongst everyone, uh, led by Devon A-Chain. And then you have 100 total targets going to the tight end position as well, um, led by Durham Smythe. So Really no one of note uh, in the wide receiver room other than Tyreek and Waddle. What do you think of this this passing game with Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle? All of this offense is really just a bet on Tua's health, right? Um, sure. I think I think if Tua stays healthy, we know what he kind of is at this point. I don't think he's, you know, he's he's never going to fully just evolve completely and be this deep gunslinger guy. Although his average depth of target actually did get a lot better last year, but I think this is going to be a very centralized offense between the two of Hill and Waddle. That that's where this offense thrives. Everything is built around these two and their speed and Tua just hitting them in stride really accurately on, on their crossing routes and everything like that downfield shots whenever they're open. But this, this offense is really centered around Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. And I think this, you know, the stat line kind of projects that as well. I mean, you're seeing, Eight, 2,800 yards split between two wide receivers. I don't think that's ever going to happen on another offense, maybe outside of the Minnesota Vikings, just because Justin Jefferson's an absolute monster. Um, and, and so the, these two are going to be very, very good. Um, Jalen Waddle still not overtaking Tyreek. I don't think that's a good projection for anybody to be making. And Tyreek Hill, uh, I think he's going to absolutely smash again as long as this offense is functioning on all cylinders, man. Like the, these are the three that you really want. The running backs are going to be a little bit more of a dart throw, though, and the tight ends they've never shown to use them before. Don't really think they're going to use them again this year. I'm not even going to talk about tight ends. I just noted that they had targets just because yep. I had to. Um, they just don't use the tight end position. That's just how it's going to be. So there's that. I mean, and Tyreek would be angry with you for statting him out at 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, he's he's already been on record saying he wants 2,000. So, you know, let's say this is a floor for him, right? <laughs> 1,500 is the floor. I actually, I tried talking you into bumping him up a little bit. But, I mean, again, numbers don't lie. You have to draw a line somewhere, and these are kind of the level headed projections like you can't really project outlier seasons when you're when you're doing this and that's kind of the nature of doing projections so you do have them at 1500 yards nine touchdowns 1308 for Jalen Waddle, statting out as wide receiver two 
and wide receiver eight, respectively. And as I mentioned, Tua was a QB 14. The one thing I, I did want to note or a couple things in, in the running back room of note, you do have Devon A-Chain leading the way in this backfield. I mentioned he had 56 targets. He has 300 yards receiving, and he actually has almost 800 yards on the ground with a combined eight touchdowns leading the running back room. Mostert just behind him with 500 on the ground, 100 in the air, and four touchdowns. What do you think about this backfield? I, I'm an A-chain homer. You know, I'm an A&M guy, so I, there, there's going to be a little bit of bias here for that. But I, I don't understand why you would take a high enough draft capital for this guy. And, and truthfully, this isn't even that much of a commanding workload in this offense. I mean, he does take the lead, but it's only by 60 carries and then another you know, 30 targets. Uh, he, he is the lead back here, as I have it projected out. I think that with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, you have very serviceable guys, but I think they truly brought Devon A-Chain in here to be the guy and the focal point of this offense and then mix in the out, the outer pieces with Mostert and Jeff Wilson. I think this is kind of how you've seen the San Francisco system run that they've tried to implement here, where they have kind of a main guy, but he still doesn't really get that much of a workload but his efficiency is just fantastic. And I think that's what you're probably going to see here from a Devon A. Chain type who has shown that he can, you know, handle this type of workload in the SEC during his time at AM. He's shown his speed and burst and agility is just off the charts compared to anybody else. You know, Mostert probably had that at one point. Does he still have that now as he's you know, 31 years old? I believe he is. But um, I, I think that this is really the changing of the guard for a chain to take over the large majority of this backfield and being brought in. If not large majority, I still think he's going to be at least the lead. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Miami does distribute this backfield. And, you know, for projection purposes, you have to project, uh, you know, a one, a one B type situation, uh, even when you're looking at committees. So, I, I get where you're going with this and it just makes it interesting to to really note how they're going to roll out this backfield to start the year. I mean, is Mostert, they, they've shown Mostert, uh, they've let him have weeks. They let Jeff Wilson have weeks. I know the injuries and stuff like that come into play. So I, I am genuinely curious how this backfield plays out. And I pray for everyone's sake that Dalvin Cook does not go to Miami and just nuke everyone's fantasy value because uh, that distribution would not be the same in my opinion if Dalvin Cook no. went down there that would be Dalvin's backfield and that's been the rumor I, I just hope that that doesn't happen so. man if if we get Charbonnet and A-Chain nuked before they even oh. step on the field I would be devastated like <laughs> I, I might not recover and I might have to step away from the game for a little bit. Like, oh. That would seriously hurt me to my core. And just a note, you do have Devon a chain actually coming out as RB 24 right now with, uh, with his total uh, passing game work as well, uh, attributing to that. So yeah, uh, not a bad season for Devon a chain. If he can take over the lead in that backfield, um, anything else of note for Miami here? The only thing they do have five running backs in the roster right now with three that we've talked about and Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed still on this yeah, roster. I true. feel like one of these is not going to make it, but I think they're very serviceable backups. I don't think it really matters for this team and their projections, but I think either Gaskin or Ahmed could potentially serve a pretty significant role on another backfield. If one of them is cut and truthfully, I don't think anybody's carrying five running backs into the season. So one of them I think will be a serviceable part of another offense by the time we get to the season. Yep, I, and I'm with you. Again, that, that backfield just strange in general. That's pretty much everyone they brought back from last year and then adding Devon A-Train. So 
somebody's got to go and it's probably going to be Ahmed if I had to guess him or him or Gaskin got to go. Yeah. So. One of the, one of the two. And th- again, the, going back to the Dalvin cook point, that's, um, that's why I don't really understand the bringing in of Dalvin cook. Like, you're Stay. already five deep and having to cut Stay. guys that are probably roster worthy. I don't know that it makes sense to really pay up for another guy when you've already put so much capital into this team and this offense and the and defensive side of the ball as well during this offseason. But that's kind of just from a team strategy building point of the NFL side of things. But no, make make sure you get your guys of Tua, Tyreek, Waddle. Other than that, you can take your shots on one of the running backs if you want. Other than that, we think we can move on to the Patriots. Sounds good. Yeah, just a, just a note on the Miami backfield. If you're looking for a good backfield to buy in season, once you know who is actually getting touches and carries, um, that backfield would be one to target. Uh, it's probably not going to be too expensive unless Devon A. Chain just absolutely smashes. Otherwise, the other guys are just going to be super cheap and, and easy to buy, and you can get that, that cheap running back production. So um, moving on to New England here, looking at the quarterback position. Again, you have Mac Jones starting here, 556 total attempts for 4,000, almost 100 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, another 150 on the ground. And that kind of distributes out for, uh, you know, giving the majority of the targets to Ramondre Stevenson getting 77, Juju getting 121. And then you have pretty pretty evenly distributed from there with Tyquan Thornton, Devontae Parker getting about 50 to 60. Um, and then you have another 60 and 70 going to the tight end for Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki. So pretty distributed passing offense here for the Patriots. Yeah, really the only receiving weapon that I can really see get himself out of cut from the rest is Juju here. I don't know really other than the other guys like they're, they're they've said they've been running 12 personnel the entirety of their offseason training camps and everything where they're going to be running Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki, which really means you're probably only going to have Juju and then either Devontae Parker or Kendrick Bourne out there for the majority of snaps. I'd lean Parker and Juju, which is how I have it projected out here. Um, I think you'll have Tyquan Thornton as kind of that deep shot whenever you get, do go three wide. And then it's just going to be a, a committee, you know, passing attack. Other, other than that, I don't see really anybody other than Juju having that grave a season. But Juju does, he did actually stand out pretty well for me here. Yeah, he Juju started out for you as wide receiver 29 um, on the year, which is a, a pretty solid season. He had eight, 80 catches, 900 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, so just under a thousand is where you have him at. So not a bad year for him. The other wide receivers just kind of don't matter. You have, I think, wide receiver 70 for Devontae Parker. I mean, that's no, there, there's it. nothing else. You don't want another wide receiver. <laughs> no, and, and really truthfully, don't. I don't even know if I want Juju. Like this is a this is a pretty good projection for Juju as well, in my opinion. Like Mac, Mac has to take a little bit of a step forward. He's still not great as I have him projected out right now, but you, you still need a pretty significant workload and target share for Juju to actually put up this type of number. Unless this offense takes a massive step forward and actually puts it through the receiving weapons that I don't think are that great outside of, you know, the one that I've been talking about in Juju, I don't see any of these other guys being honestly almost even rosterable. Yeah, I mean, they actually finally have an offensive coordinator with Bill O'Brien, so you, you, you would imagine things do get better. I mean, I know you you chuckle as a Texans fan, but like, I mean, it can't be worse than having a defensive assistant as your offensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, in a way, it's got to be pretty, you know, got to be better. But I mean, I'm with you. Juju, I like for best ball, but if I have to start him in a lineup week in and week out, I just don't feel good about it. I would much rather use him as a piece to to 
combine with a pick and, and move up in into a different tier like juju for me i, I like him but i just don't love him and and that's a, a tough thing for me to do is, is start a guy that i think is going to be super inconsistent so um, i actually think he's going to be more consistent than he is like ever giving you the boom weeks or the spike weeks or anything I, I think he's going yeah i think he's going to be <laughs> that like consistent 10 points per game that you kind right. of count on and that that's where that's where i kind of would have him is more of just like that you know that last spot on your flex where you're like uh, do i put Nicole hardman in here and see if he actually catches the touchdown this week for 40 yards or do i put juju in there and just take my 10 points that's kind of how i feel like juju will be this year yeah, no, I'm with you there. I, I can see that. I can see that for sure. Looking at the tight ends, you have Gesicki at 570, Hunter Henry at 450. Uh, you actually have Gesicki getting uh, the double the touchdowns with six to Henry's three, um, and that actually rates out as Gesicki being tight end 18 and Hunter Henry being tight end 30. So, you know, they do have talked about wanting to use both of these guys, and, and I can totally see it with the rest of this, these, this passing offense just being kind of uh, mediocre. I still isn't going to be anything of note, but it, it will be fun. Not fun. It'll be interesting to watch how they actually do distribute these targets going into the season. And if, uh, if Gesicki can end up carving out a legitimate role, if both of these tight ends have a good chunk of, of the offensive targets as well. Um, but again, they're probably going to be more spike week hopes than anything. Yeah, I, th I think so as well. I think you're probably looking at them as more of a best ball where you're in a tight end premium league and you're just hoping that they're the one who blows up that week. Uh, like I said earlier, it does sound like they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel with both of these guys on the field. And that makes sense because outside of Juju, like I, I would want these two as my top two and three wide receivers over anybody else that they currently have on their wide receiver roster. So um, I, I think they're going to have decent, you know, I think they're going to have decent roles within the offense, but what does that look like on a weekly basis? Which one's getting the touchdown that week? Which one's getting the five targets and which one's getting two? You know, um, we were actually promised this last year with Janu that he was going to be a part of this offense. We didn't see that. Fortunately, I think Gasicki is much better as just a pure overall NFL player than Janu. And so I think he'll be, I think he'll be the lead from the tight end role, but I, I think it's going to be a pretty even split between the two. Kasiki, I think he's just a little bit better pass catcher and that's what they need in this offense right now. So I have him statted out a little bit higher, but none of them, neither of them in just standard leagues, I don't think are going to be weekly starts for you. Yep. I, uh, I'm with you right there. And then looking at the running back position, you do have Ramondre coming in at RB10 on the year with just about 200 carries, uh, just over 1,000 yards on the ground. As I mentioned earlier, he's going to get about 60 catches, an additional 500 yards, and a total of eight touchdowns statted out, uh, followed behind with Pierre Strong. We did have uh, James Robinson get cut, who a lot of people thought was going to be the lead backup if you follow the money as people always like to say uh but he is no longer with the team so you have pierre strong ty montgomery and kevin harris in that backfield getting eating up the rest of those carries uh nothing really of note in terms of fantasy relevance it's just ramondre but he could be in for a monster season if he stays healthy for a full 17 he's going to absolutely smash man now it is probably on a one-year rental like i think we were talking about it in the heisman chat today it doesn't even really make sense for them to franchise tag him because it's going to be at a price that the Patriots will never pay a running back more than likely unless they really do think that he's actually that good and they can't find a replacement level guy, which is all that the Patriots have done under Bill Belichick is just find replacement level guys. So I think it's going to be a one year really good season if he can stay healthy for a full 17, but 
you don't know really what the future is looking like after that, but really like the outlook for Ramondre Stevenson in this role as it currently stands. Yeah, I was actually curious if Ramondre, I believe yeah, he actually has two years left. So he's 23 and 24. So they may not ride him into the ground this year, but I'm with you. I think long-term they are not going to, um, they are not going to actually tag him unless they think he is him. Uh, but most likely that's they're just going to ride him in the ground once his his contract does expire in two years that's a wrap so that's again enjoy the production that you can get from Ramondre while it lasts because that's I think that's what you're going to get he's going to be I think 27 by the time that rolls around for his contract yeah that is not the Patriot way so (laughs) I would be totally not. (laughs) but yeah Uh, I mean that wraps up this New England offense uh what do you want to say there no, Ty Montgomery is the only one I'd want to bring up here. I don't know if he's, I don't know if it's true. You know, the Patriots say all types of things that never come true, but they're saying he's going to be a little like he's going to be kind of the pass catching role of old here in this offense. And if that happens, obviously it's going to take away from a not Ramondre. He's not going to have a full 77 targets as I currently have him statted out here. Uh, Ty Montgomery would take over more. I've seen places where he's still on waivers. And so I think he's at least worth a pickup, especially after you just saw James Robinson get cut. I assume your waivers were run by the time you're hearing this on Wednesday. But if you're on daily waivers, go back, make sure he's not picked up. If he's not, go pick him up because he's at least worth a back end running back stash on your roster. Yeah, I mean, you, the Patriots have always liked to use multiple backs. And if he can be the guy that happens to have the pass catching role, that will be uh, fantasy relevant, especially in best ball. So might as well, if you have a deep enough roster to, uh, to drop someone and pick someone up. So, yep. With you, let's move on to probably the most uh, dramatic team of this off season. And I know everyone's going to say it's because of Aaron Rodgers, but that's not the case. Uh, the New York jets, you know, they do have Aaron Rodgers now at the quarterback position. You have him statted out as quarterback 17 with 563 attempts, 4,200 yards, 31 touchdowns, nine picks, another 90 on the ground. Nothing too crazy, uh, but you do have him paired up with Nathaniel Hackett again, that that similar style offense. And you do have Garrett Wilson getting 144 of those targets, Tyler Conklin getting another 91 and then pretty even distribution for Alan Lazard, Corey Davis getting about 60 to 70 each. Um, and then it kind of just trickles down from there for the rest of them uh, with Brees Hall getting a 60 target total out of the backfield. So how do you, what do you think of the distribution of this offense? This feels very Packers-esque though. Exactly. And you nailed it right there. I was about to go into it is this is a, this is an offense that obviously has had a lot of change year over year. You're going from dog water, Zach Wilson, and a completely new (laughs) offensive scheme. You're bringing in Hackett who had his own struggles, but he was very good when he was paired up with Aaron Rodgers in green Bay, whenever he was winning back-to-back MVPs. So I'm projecting kind of a mid from what we saw of last year of Aaron Rodgers to those MVP seasons. I don't think it's going to be exactly what he had. I think Devontae Adams is a large part of that. Now, yeah. do you have Garrett Wilson pretty pretty well statted out here to be kind of his, you know, the light version of a Devontae Adams whenever he was in that offense. But that that's how I went through the projections of this team was going back to what were the years that Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers were together. Let's take those numbers and try to project them onto what it would look like for a New York Jets roster and all of their skilled players. And it, it, ter- it turned out pretty good for both Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at – I'll go uh, pass catcher first. So, Garrett Wilson started out with 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, good enough for uh, wide receiver 12 overall in the season. Tyler Conklin, 63 catches, 650 yards, five touchdowns, good enough for tight end 12 on the season, uh, according to the projections. And then Brees Hall, as you mentioned, running back four with 1,170 yards and on the ground, 300 in the air, and a total of 15 touchdowns. And, I mean, I love Brees Hall. If he's healthy, I mean, again, projecting health here, that's that's going to be a serious stat line for him. Right, and, and, and it's not like I'm not projecting all of these injuries. Like, if we go to – when when we go to Javante Williams later, like, I, I am actually still projecting games in that are lower in total terms of stats for Javante Williams. I, I will try to project those injuries as we know them now. I just don't try to project them in the season. Brees Hall, though, from everything I've seen, you know, Jeff Mueller, our injury expert over at DD, has been saying that everything looks like he is going to be on track to be in there week one. Now, do they roll him back out there for a full workload? That's to be seen. But I think he's going to be healthy and smashing from either week one or very, very early in the season, at least in like weeks three or four. And if he can do that, I think this stat line is very well within reason. It's one of my guys that I've been favorite, one of my favorite targets in both dynasty and in underdog drafts because people do have concerns about what his workload is going to be at the beginning of the season because of the ACL injury. It was clean. He's been recovered. He's been sprinting, doing side to side lateral agility already on the field. I don't have concerns about him. I love Brees all this year. Yeah, I mean, I have. He's. I think he's my highest owned running back in dynasty so i i've have quite a few shares of Brees hall i think i even bought more um during the injury i know that's that's anti i should have learned last year from jk dobbins but again a little bit different acl tear i have a little bit different hope for for what Brees hall can be in this offense uh but yeah uh, running back four overall statted out for uh for Brees. And, you know, again, it's going to be a fun offense. You know, it's interesting to have Aaron Rodgers a little lower, but you have a, at least a pass catcher of relevance in the wide receiver room, one in the tight end room. You have a couple threshold receivers in Alan Lazard and uh, and Corey Davis, who both like I think they're in the wide receiver 50 to 60 range. Yeah, 58 and 71. So they're just barely on the cusp there. And then Michael Carter coming in at running back 46 with, uh, with some of his uh, stat lines that you have him at. But again, nothing to crazy there for michael carter right the running back room is going to be a little bit interesting to monitor behind Brees Hall. there's been rumors that michael carter might be like on the outs of this team like he might be running back four by the time the season rolls around and like on practice squad from one of the reports that i saw today right um and so it would be israel abanacanda and zonovan knight getting pretty significant upticks and being the being in line for the running back two or the running back three in this offense but as it sits right now, I, I still I'm still going to have Brees Hall projected out to be a pretty good like 60% of this running back room. And then the rest of them just kind of filling in as long as we get to the season and Brees Hall is healthy. He's on track to play week one as I'm as I'm projecting right now. Um I, I don't think any of the others outside of injury are really going to be ever usable and unless they're just kind of filling in week to week. And having said that, Zonovan Knight, um, obviously had a good stretch towards the end of the year last year. I've actually found him on waivers recently, ever since Savannah Kanda was drafted and just the projection of him being RB four on the team. Uh, so check your, 
check your waivers. Just check him out. See if he's still out there. I I would I would doubt it for most leagues, but I did find him in a couple places, and I was like, holy crap, I have to pick him up right now. I mean, you have to stash him just 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 in case. Any RB on a fifty three. Absolutely have to. Yeah. Uh, especially one that's shown promise before. And as soon as they get that workload back, if they if they do ever get back to that spot, they're going to be worth capital as soon as they get there. Yeah. So Son of a Knight should not be on in in normal standard depth dynasty leagues. Uh, no, he should not be on waivers anywhere. Well, we move from uh, one dramatic offseason to another, and we have the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. That was uh, a long-winded offseason for him and a new offensive coordinator with uh, with Munkin coming in from Georgia. So looking at Lamar's stat line, you actually have him at 600 pass attempts, 119 rushes, so kind of a good distribution there. You have 4,500 yards passing, 32 uh, touchdowns to 13 interceptions, and an additional five touchdowns on the ground. So you do actually have Lamar coming out as your quarterback three on the year and 600 pass attempts is, is it seems like quite a bit, but there's going to be quite a, a, I would say uh solid distribution throughout the entire offense minus Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is going to eat. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty significant change in the offense philosophy that I'm projecting here. He's never attempted more than 401 pass attempts in his career. Although he's also never played 17 in his career. So, <laughs> Um, that's a pretty significant jump and one that might need to be lowered down as we, as we kind of look back on things and how it got completed out. But I'm, I'm going to take Lamar at his word here. He said that there's going to be a lot more passing, a lot less rushing and a lot less reliance on Lamar's legs in this offense. Uh, we we've seen this Munkin offense before, and that's where I try to derive a little bit of this projection for this new Baltimore Ravens offense as we try to see it from that Tampa Bay days with Jameis Winston. And obviously they were one of the most pass happy teams in the league. Now I kind of tried to get a little bit of balance of that middle. I still think it needs to come down to more of what Lamar has done over the course of his career, because maybe Harbaugh tries to rein in Munkin a little bit, but Lamar is going to have a, I have Lamar statted for a pretty damn good year. If he can, keep up the efficiency while upping his pass attempts and still contribute a decent amount on the ground with his legs. So looking at the pass catchers, you do have Mark Andrews getting 145 targets, contributing 1184 yards and 10 touchdowns. Good enough for tight end two on the season. And then, as I mentioned, it's pretty solid distribution across the board for the wide receivers. I'd say uh, 40, 60, 80, and then a hundred targets, you know, give or take a few. there, just kind of rounding numbers. If you again want to see the full projections, you know what to do. Um, (laughs) But you actually have Odell Beckham getting the uh, largest target share with our largest target share of the wide receivers with 98 targets. And I mean, obviously the contract that they gave him, signifies that they are bringing him in to be it kind of you assume to be the the number one wide receiver on this team so 98 targets 730 yards and six touchdowns uh bateman with 75 targets uh, about 600 yards four touchdowns zay flowers 70 targets 500 yards four touchdowns and then it kind of trickles down from there but pretty well-rounded passing offense there this is this is a really difficult one for me because um, obviously we know the concerns with Odell. He might be absolutely washed and not able to actually play True. again. Um, I I still have him as being serviceable, um, I, not going over a hundred targets. 
but still being the lead of this offense because I do think they brought him in for a reason and I think they're going to try to use him like that because of the amount that they're paying him to be their number one wide receiver. Now, there there is the opportunity that Zay Flowers, I think it would be the one to overtake the number one role if he's able to step up that quickly as a rookie with both Rashad Bateman and Odell. I'm just not going to project that because I think it's a much more median approach to doing the projections to rank him as the kind of tied with Bateman uh, is kind of where I have it in terms of total targets. I I think that's more of a median outcome for Zay Flowers than saying he's going to just overtake the complete entire offense. Could it happen? And I think it's in the range of outcomes. Yes, but. I'm not going to project that as it currently stands right now with the information that we have. So it's a very spread out offense between the wide receivers, but still just run through Andrews because I think it's, I think this is still Andrews offense, regardless of what they've done at the wide receiver position. I mean, that's what Monken likes to do too, right? Like you've seen what he could do with Brock Bowers. Uh, why not try that out with Mark Andrews too? So um, speaking of tight ends, just because everyone I know loves Isaiah Likely for uh, whatever reason, uh, he has 33 receptions, about 400 yards, three touchdowns. He's going to have some spike games, and that is good enough to, to get you tight end 32 on the year. Nothing too exciting there. He's going to have a game or two where he pops and it's like, oh my goodness, there's Isaiah Likely. And then he's going to disappear again. So best ball, sure. If you want to have him as a uh, as a depth piece in your tight end room, great. This is the Mark Andrews show, and I fully expect to see that on display. And I think that's pretty much it for the pass catchers. Running back, though, you do have J.K. Dobbins, my guy, getting 210 carries, 1,150 yards, nine touchdowns on the ground, another 24 receptions for 156 in the air, and another touchdown, so 10 total touchdowns. That is good enough for, unfortunately, RB18. Uh, you know, I'd love to see him much higher, closer to the RB12 range. But hey, I think, you know, again, we talked about this last week. When you get into a certain range of players, you are kind of splitting hairs. It's it's minuscule points, maybe a few points here or there uh, that separates, you know, RB18 and RB14. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good year for him. Again, you got another 400 yards on the ground for Gus Edwards and just kind of not really much in the passing game for the running back position. Yeah, it's a it's a running back by committee. You're I still don't project Lamar to completely change his ways with the Todd Bunkin offense and really target the running back position. And that's why you see J.K. Dobbins a little bit lower Um, having, you know, 1150 on the ground. You would think he's going to be higher than a running back 18, but unless he really starts improving as a pass catcher, and it's probably not on him, really. It's just the offensive scheme and philosophy that they don't really target the running back position, and we haven't seen it. So uh, unless that happens, it's it's hard for JK to really get higher than that mediocre RB2, as I kind of have him projected out right now. Still a very, very good player. I think he's going to have a you – know, he's going to look awesome this year, I think, coming back from the injury and – being two years removed from it we saw him even at the end of last year while he was still a toppled he was damn good and so i think i have him five and a half yards of carry i still have him statted out for in this offense which has been pretty historically representative from this rushing attack from the baltimore ravens they're fantastic but it's all about that air game especially in our ppr leagues we have all of these rankings sorted by full ppr standings right now so it's just hard to get them up much higher than that with the with only having 31 targets and 24 receptions it, it just doesn't get them up any higher than that rbt range 
and and, and Ben of I, Ben uh, and I have talked about this quite a bit about our love for J.K. Dobbins and and you know I go back even to last year in March and and just how much how high I am on him and how much I love how he runs and realistically wake when you look at the projections this is the reality check here this is it because like honestly for J.K. Dobbins to project as like a top ten back he's gonna have to be Nick Chubb like he's gonna have to have about fifteen hundred yards rushing you know or close to that and you know or significant touchdowns and that's that's kind of the the reality of what jk dobbins again projects to be in this offense because they just don't pass to the running backs uh it's not that dobbins can't catch just that's how this offense typically works and he he's going to be very good very efficient you're going to see some electric plays he's going to be fun to watch but for fantasy purposes he's going to be replaceable for the most part and uh it hurts my hurts my heart to say that but uh, yeah, I mean, again, 1,150 yards is nothing to to scoff at. Still a very good season, but without that passing work in PPR, you're just going to be an RB2, and uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Yep, and everybody else behind him, even Gus Edwards, is pretty much just replacement guys. If if JK were to go down again for a week or two, hopefully that you know that's all that it is. Everybody else behind him, Edwards, Hill, Keith Mitchell, and Patrick Ricard's a fullback, so he doesn't even really count in this equation. But um, all, all the rest of the guys are just replacement level. And then, then going back to the wide receivers, just really quickly, I think there's going to be more separation here than what I have projected for. I just don't know who it's going to be. And so I just kind of have a very median projection for all of them. But if you feel convicted in one of these guys, by all means, take your shot. I just have it as a very median and kind of split a target share right now but i do think one of these guys probably separates themselves but i just don't know who it is right now and i don't have conviction myself if you have it by all means go for it hey put your put your stamp on zay flowers put your stamp on odell still not being washed put your stamp on rashad bateman coming back and playing a full season healthy i think any any one of these guys could actually overtake a true legitimate number one role at any point this season Shout out to Debro for for all his pumping of Rashad Bateman lately. Uh, been a lot of been a lot of stuff on Twitter about uh, his excitement for Rashad Bateman. But yeah, you know, take your pick and see what happens. You, you'll you'll really find out what's going to you know who separates themselves out in the first few weeks. And hopefully, you picked right, or hopefully, you can buy, get get that guy for cheap. So, um, yeah, let's yeah. move on. To, we'll move it uh, into the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Your, uh, your, your guy that you, you know, again, your projections from last year, you had Joe Burrow a little bit lower, um, you know, last year, but, uh, that there was an increase of passing volume that was unexpected. Otherwise you were pretty much spot on, which is, which is really cool to, to see It's just the passing volume. You just couldn't project them going up 90 targets. I believe is what they ended up going up from, from last year or from so, 2021 to 22. So, so they increased their passing yardage, but I actually correctly interpreted what i thought would be regression in all the secondary stats which is your completion percentage (laughs) your yards per attempt your yards per attempt uh yards per attempt at completion and then your touchdown rate i got all those however he doubled his rushing production which is what i didn't account for and that's what vaulted him back up into that like qb4 range that we saw um it rushed for five rushing touchdowns and doubled his yardage on the ground and i i didn't have it statted out for that the rushing really did elevate him last year but he did actually take a step in regression as i projected from his true passing numbers uh secondary numbers just not his overall passing because his attempts like you said went up by 90 plus 
yeah, I think he had the, about the same amount of yards uh, in both years, but uh, 90 more attempts. So interesting. So this year you have him started out at 620 attempts, uh, one yard under 5,000 yards. You couldn't just give him 5,000. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. <laughs> so, so you have one under, so you have uh, 49.99 uh, with 35 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. You do have him started out for rushing this year, uh, a little bit higher at 244 and four touchdowns on the ground. And again, the target distribution in this offense, looking at Jamar Chase at 165, T. Higgins at 119. You then have Irv Smith with 75 and Tyler Boyd with about 70 and Joe Mixon getting 60 out of the backfield. So uh, some good distribution there. Uh, you're going to have, again, a high-powered offense. Really high-powered offense. You're going to have Jamar Chase being pretty high up in the ranks, not at the, like, not at the wide receiver two levels that we have him in dynasty, but he's going to be up there easily within that top 10, right? And whenever you're putting up 1400 yards, 13 touch or yeah, 13 touchdowns, you're going to be up there pretty damn high. Yeah. You got him at wide receiver four. And as you said, 1400 yards, 13 touchdowns, you have, um, T Higgins at wide receiver 21, which is pretty much where he falls in year in and year out with uh, about 80 receptions, 1100 yards or just under 1100 yards and seven touchdowns uh boyd is going to be kind of, you know he's, he's a threshold guy wide receiver 61 with 48 receptions uh just under 600 yards four touchdowns um and then you have irv smith coming in there with 620 yards four touchdowns and he stats out as tight in 20 so again good passing offense uh jamar chase obviously the focal point and you hope t higgins can finally break the mold but I don't know if he's ever going to end up as a top 12 wide receiver here. I know that there's been a lot of people whenever you, whenever you put out the stats of their splits while playing together, they're actually pretty yeah. even. Um, but I don't Jamar Chase is just a better wide receiver, man. Like <laughs> I, th I think over the course of like whenever, if, if they play 17, because they've never actually played their full 17 together, not even close to playing their full 17 together. If they do that, I think that Jamar Chase is going to just ball out above T Higgins while he's a very 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 good wide receiver and yep. a number one wide receiver for most teams I do think he's a pretty significant 1B in this offense while Jamar Chase is on the field I do think that it will vary week to week of which one is going to be the one that goes like if they double cover Jamar Chase maybe that's a T Higgins week if they try to put their top corner against Chase that week that's probably a week that she's that Chase you know, feces and he's going to rack up 200 yards or something that week. <laughs> uh, it might still be a little boom bust. I think that's kind of what we've seen from these guys over their two years while playing together. But over the course of the season, if they both stay healthy, it's, it's going to be Jamar Chase that wins out pretty significantly. Yep, absolutely agree. Again, nothing against T. Higgins, the talent. Very, very good player, but Jamar Chase is, is also um, an elite talent in his own right. So uh, I'm with you. Jamar Chase is is the true alpha in this offense, and T. Higgins, you know, kind of plots right in there in that back end wide receiver two range. Um, running back wise, you do have Joe Mixon with 230 rush attempts, 928 yards on the ground with eight touchdowns, an additional 400 yards in the air, and two more touchdowns, so 10 total. And that will actually stat out as RB 13 on the year for Joe Mixon. And that feels pretty good. That feels pretty good. People people want to keep riding off Joe Mixon, and the Bengals don't want to cut him. And it doesn't seem nope. like that's actually going to happen. I don't think they bring anybody else into this offense anymore. And so Joe Mixon, while he might suck and he might be inefficient, can easily, if he's playing at a seven, if he's playing all 17 games, get to this spot. 
Uh, He's going to have the work as a receiver. I don't think Chase Brown, Travion Williams, and Chris Evans are really going to eat him to him that much. And so I I think it's going to kind of be last year where everybody still hates Joe Mixon, but at the end of the year, you look up and he's still a fringe running back one, running back two. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what it feels like. Um, You know, looking at his contract, I think he's he's cuttable after this year. So this may be a year that the Bengals just kind of ride him out and give him everything he can handle and see what happens. Um, if that's the case, you know, you, you, you could see, you know, an even better year uh, than, than we're projecting right now. Uh, but hey, RB 13 feels about right for, for where Mixon's at in his career. And Joe Mixon was cuttable this year. They would have saved seven mil against the cap and still decided not to. So, yeah, yeah, true. That's very true. I think he. I mean, I think it's even worse next year. Oh like, yeah, it, there's there's no way something. he's on the team next year. They save about eleven million dollars <laughs> yeah, next year, and it's only it like three mil against the dead cap. Yeah, he's gone next year, but yeah. So they might ride him out, but yeah, I mean that's that's that offense. It's going to be high powered, a lot of fun, but I do think it's going to be uh, focused around or focused around Burrow, uh, Chase, and then Higgins will have his games for sure, and of course Tyler Boyd's going to have his spike week from from time to time. So. Um, fun offense. Uh, let's move to the Cleveland Browns here where you have Deshaun Watson at 560 pass attempts, 4,300 yards in the air with 31 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, another 500 yards of rushing and three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, so that will actually stat out for quarterback seven overall on the year for Deshaun Watson, much improved, uh, proved season from what we saw in the final six games down the stretch last year. Yeah, and the big thing here is the return of kind of the rushing. And that's the one thing that I'm concerned about with Deshaun as he is getting older here. He has been away from the game for a little bit longer. I don't think we really saw that last year as much playing into his playing into his projections. And so I'm kind of going back to his early days, seeing if he can kind of regain a little bit of that with 500 yards and three touchdowns. That is pretty significant amount above like your standard pocket pass or quarterback. But I think Deshaun still has that in him. Um, and then a little bit of regression to the mean from last year. I don't think that we were to to expect him to come back in exactly as he was before the suspension and everything is seems a little bit unfair. We were we kept trying to tell ourselves beforehand, look, it's not going to be good. And then it wasn't good. And now we want to bury him for it. <laughs> so the logic doesn't exactly work out in my mind. I'm going to get him a little bit back towards the mean. I did not expect him to actually stab at his quarterback seven whenever I did this. But I, th- I think with the rushing floor and passing for, you know, 43, 50 yards, 31 touchdowns, I think this is very, very reasonable for Deshaun. I, I think this is why people should actually still have him as a top nine quarterback in Dynasty if you believe that this is possible. And, and just so to note here, I mean, uh, with with Watson, you have him statted out at 525 yards on the ground. Um, he's his high career high is 551. He's usually in that 400 yard range. So even if he does drop down 100 yards, uh, it's kind of like that Dak Prescott pre ankle injury type of rushing where he gets about 400 yards. And that's that I'd be good with that. I think I'd be totally good with Deshaun Watson getting around 400, 500 yards rushing um, in this offense and then with what he can do in the passing game. So looking at the target distribution, you do have 141 targets going to Amari Cooper, 92 going to David and Joku. 88 to Elijah Moore, 64 to DPJ, and then 85 total targets to the running back position, just kind of scattered out against the running back position here. Uh, They usually don't pass the running back a whole heck of a lot, but you do have uh, Cooper with about 1,200 yards 
and Elijah Moore, 700, DPJ just under 600, and you have 700 for Njoku. Pretty solid season. So, I, I mean, I like the distribution where you have that at um, for these uh, pass catchers in this offense. Yeah, I know. I know you and I are both pretty high on David and Joku, probably higher than normal consensus, along with uh, another guy we'll talk about later in the AFC South. Uh, and he he sat it up pretty high as well. So uh, good stuff there for us, at least that might. I don't think that's too much bias, though. Like we, we've seen no. this this number of targets come into the tight end position year over year. And so I, I think if David and Joku, especially, you know, from this Cleveland Browns offense, I did go in and stat out break down the stats when Deshaun Watson came in last year and then give a little bit of a bump where I think it's going to get better next year as he's, you know, gotten the chemistry with his guys again, able to be on the field and able to take those reps and snaps and get back to a little bit more of what I believe is his former self. I, I do believe that this offense is going to be centered around, though, it at, from the pass catchers that you actually want. I think it's Amari Cooper and David Njoku. If you're in kind of the the deeper lineups, then you can look at DPJ and Elijah Moore. But other than that, I think there may be flex options. I, I don't yeah. flex options or best ball dart throws. I don't really see either one of these two being weekly starters for your team. Yeah, you have Amari Cooper at wide receiver 13 and Njoku at tight end eight. And then if you're looking at Elijah Moore and DPJ, Elijah Moore is at wide receiver 51 and a wide receiver 65 for DPJ respectively. So that's about where they fit in. And then you do have RB11, Nick Chubb. And again, as I mentioned with J.K. Dobbins, he has to have about 1,500 yards to uh, to crack top 12. You have Nick Chubb at 1,400 yards and an additional 180 in the air with 13 total touchdowns, and that's good enough to crack that top 12. So um, that's about right. I mean, that's uh, another great year for Nick Chubb. And, and the only difference here between you know J.K. and Nick Chubb is that you have a little bit higher of a – of a rushing basis of this offense and what they typically give to Nick Chubb as the one. And you don't have Kareem Hunt here. You're just splitting it with Jerome Ford. So the split might be a little bit more skewed in favor of Nick Chubb. Yep. Um, and so I think he's, I think he's just going to be an absolute workhorse, man. If he can stay upright and keep running every single game, uh, I think he's going to smash on the ground, kind of like a Derrick Henry esque level, but just not quite there. Um, but, but good enough to still be on that, on that back end running back one. Will be a very fun offense to to monitor. We'll see what Elijah Moore can can do if he can break out. They have talked about passing more in this offense, so we'll see what him and DPJ can actually end up being. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm very excited for for what uh, what can be with this uh, with this offense here in in 2023. So let's move to the final team in the AFC North, and that is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have year two of Kenny Pickett, and you have him at 589 pass attempts for 4,100 yards, 23 touchdowns, 13 picks with 362 yards rushing, four touchdowns, grading out at QB 18 for Kenny Pickett. And then just look at the target distribution as well. You have Deontay Johnson getting 154 targets. Uh, Pickens with 98 a Rob actually getting targeted this year, 75 targets for him, Pat Fryermuth with 83 and then 62 for Najee Harris. So that's kind of the trickle down with a, you know, a sprinkle and some here and there for the depth pieces, uh, pretty solid distribution. And, and I have, a, I'm cautiously optimistic for some players on this team. It's going to be dependent upon Kenny Pickett, right? Um, I, I really think that a lot of this offense hinges on him because the efficiency of the offense last year was just freaking abysmal. 
Um, Deontay obviously saw it the most where he had zero touchdowns throughout the entire year. Um, However, I don't think that the touchdown stat compared to George Pickens means that George Pickens is going to evolve to be the one. George Pickens is not a one of an offense. He is a Gabe Davis type where he will have some big plays and spike week games, make some fantastic catches. And if you want to hype those up on Twitter and, you know, invest your dynasty portfolio into that, by all means, go ahead. I just won't. Um, I believe this offense will still run through Deontay. I believe the touchdown regression will come between these two. And I do think that Kenny Pickett with a little bit of a step forward. I don't have him as much of a step forward. He's still fairly bad here his rushing floor does get him a little bit higher in just terms of overall qb fantasy production but um other than that you know i I don't think it's still going to be anything great from this offense yeah for the pass catchers you do have deontay uh grading out as wide receiver 19 on the year so a a mid wide receiver two which is what he was when he scored touchdowns so you have him at 95 catches a thousand yards six touchdowns uh you do have pickens at wide receiver 37 with 850 yards six touchdowns as well and then tight end 17 is pat fryermuth with 650 yards three touchdowns uh for him as well again good numbers for this passing offense it's not anything special i don't anticipate kenny pickett being some elite passer of the football and just you know having a massive step forward near two so um i do think you you know you kind of get what you get this offense should be better better o-line more time in the system for kenny pickett hopefully everything works out better for them and then of course Najee harris should have his foot healed and ready to go because it was a problem despite what people may have thought uh you do actually have him statted out with 300 carries 1250 yards eight touchdowns on the ground 49 catches, 300 yards in the air with another three touchdowns there. And that is good enough for running back six overall. Uh, I'm high. I'm high on Najee, man. Um, If, if he can, if he can truly return to form and I, I'm one of the people who thinks Jalen Warren is nothing more than a high leveraged handcuff. Um, I, I don't think that they're really going to split the work between these two. If you look at the, what, like, 18 years of Mike Tomlin or whatever, whatever it is <laughs> at this point where he's always been a above uh, you know, winning more games than he's lost every single year. Yep. Um, he's always given a workhorse role. And we saw Najee have that while he was healthy. It wasn't the case whenever he was playing through the first eight weeks of the season. I think he was rushing at 13 attempts per game and then they had the bye week and then he bumped up to like 17 rushing attempts per game. I'll have to find the actual stat on that when I I tweeted it out whenever I was doing the projections on this one, but it did seem as if Najee was injured by that foot injury. And then he was actually able to step back in with, you know, that 10 days, 14 days of rest, and then go back to that traditional workhorse role for Mike Tomlin. And in this Pittsburgh Steelers offense, if he can carry that through an entire season next year, I think he's going to smash and be an RB1. And to compile the injury issue with an awful, awful offensive line, uh, it just doesn't make things any better. So I know people are going to point out his efficiency on the ground, and I I do think that it was a one-off year. We knew that that offensive line was going to be bad. We knew things were not going to be great for Najee. We just said, hey, if he's going to have volume, things could be really good for him. You know, 
that's kind of going to be the thing this year. Offensive line should be better. He should get the volume again, like he was getting towards the end of the season last year. And so we'll we'll kind of see how that plays out. But yeah, I, I have very high hopes for Najee Harris here in 2023. Yeah, and real quickly, I did find it in weeks one through eight, he carried the ball 13.5 times per game. In weeks 10 through 17, 18.2. And that was after the bye week in week nine. So I think they still do want that workhorse running back if they can have it. And and again, I know people have hope for Jalen Warren, but I I'm not one of them. So, <laughs> so that wraps up the uh, the AFC North. Uh, let's move to the South and to the home team for one Cody Smith, the Houston Texans. You got C.J. Stroud QB one down there, not Case Keenum, and C.J. Stroud has thrown for 530 pass attempts. For 34, almost 3,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, 13 picks, 127 yards rushing. And uh, that's just what you would expect from a rookie quarterback. It's a, uh, I, I believe it's the lowest quarterback that I have statted out for 17 games is CJ Stroud this next year. Oh. I, I know that people, people, I, I don't understand why everybody's okay. We're excited about Nico Collins. We're excited about John Mechie. We're excited about Robert Woods. We're excited about Tank Dell. And yet look at what they have as a total offense. Like their offensive line is mid. They have CJ Stroud who, you know, people have their various own opinions on and if he's actually good or not. And, all of those wide receivers, while they all have a little bit of upside, none of them are near a wide receiver one level. All of them should be wide receiver threes on any team that they would ever go to at best. And so this offense is ju- I, I just don't see how this offense is going to be good. Yeah, I mean, looking at the target distribution you have here, I, I mean, you got one, you have two guys over 100 targets, and one of them is Nico Collins. The other guy is Dalton Schultz. Again, what does a rookie quarterback love? A good tight end that gets open. So you have Dalton Schultz statting out with 109 targets, 74 catches, 750 yards, and five touchdowns, and that is good enough for tight end five on the season. So, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I remember that number. That's, uh, that's yep. a damn, it's a damn good season. But, I mean, le- legitimately, this is, this is the offense that's coming over from San Francisco, right? And so right. they've used George Kittle in this way. I don't see why you wouldn't try to pair your rookie QB with a – I know, again, everybody has hopes for four wide receivers here. I have hope for zero of them. And I think Dalton <laughs> Schultz is better than every single one. So uh, I'll, I'll give the majority of this workload from the receiving game to Dalton Schultz because I think he can actually be kind of that just underneath safety blanket every single throw for C.J. Stroud. I wouldn't actually be surprised at all if Dalton Schultz ends up leading this team in receiving yards. I mean, you have Nico projected out with 65 catches, 815 yards, so only about a 60 to 70 yard difference here. And, and, you know, and Nico Collins just is not going to be fantasy relevant. I mean, he's a he's a threshold receiver, right? Like he's just not going to be someone you want to start. If you're starting Nico Collins in your lineup leagues, you're probably not in great shape. Uh, you know, he's projected out to, to be wide receiver 40. And then outside of that, it's, you know, wide receiver 59, wide receiver 68. Like all of these just. Uh, I None guess they're threshold good, guys. No, no <laughs> they're, they're really not. Like uh, honestly, yeah. if you if you're playing in your normal lineup, start ten. That's I true. don't want a single one of these guys to ever be hitting my nope. lineup. As nope. I projected, like maybe CJ Stroud comes out and lights the world on fire as a rookie. 
I'm not going to project that, and I don't want a single one of these wide receivers ever to hit my lineup as I projected out right now. The only other highlight besides uh, Dalton Schultz is the running back room. You do have Damian Pierce with 240 carries, just under 1,100 yards, another 25 catches, and just about 200 yards. And then I also want to note Devin Singletary with 100 rushes, 430 yards, 34 catches, 250 in the air, and uh, Damian Pierce with nine touchdowns. Devin Singletary with three, and that will actually grade out to have Damian Pierce as a back-end RB2 at RB23 and Devin Singletary at RB41. So uh, I think Singletary is more of a best ball guy, but Damian Pierce should have a solid season. Yeah, I know that you wanted me to make this split a lot closer whenever we were talking through yep. Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary. Uh, we, have, we have our differences in how we see this backfield playing out. But with it still being inefficient, I, I don't think that a white or running back 23 finish for Damian Pierce is, you know, that's that's not outlandish by any no, means. Not at all. Um, and so it, it just really does depend upon what that split workload is between Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce. I personally think that it's going to be a lot heavier of Damian Pierce and he's going to be more of that, you know, 55 to 60 percent guy. Well, Devin Singletary is more of a 40 percent guy. If that split comes closer, neither of these guys will be good, and they'll just be like the wide receivers that I don't want to ever start any of them. I could just see them running the ball more, uh, just just to to try and establish a good run game for a rookie quarterback, uh, try and alleviate some of that thing, work the play action pass, those types of things. And so I could see Singletary actually, or I could see um, Pierce having the 220 projected carries, but I could actually see uh, Singletary getting you have him at 100 right now or just around 100 i could see him being closer to that like 150 mark um and kind of having you know yeah it's a little bit more rbbc but i could see him actually having a decent role in this offense so um we'll see though i mean I, again truly no idea I, I do like damian pierce quite a bit um i think he's one that that deserves more but that offense is just atrocious it's it's going to be so bad, man. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to hate watching this year. Well, let's go from uh, one bad rookie quarterback to uh, one shining rookie quarterback, and that is Anthony Richardson. So you have him actually rating out as quarterback eight with 470 pass attempts, 3,300 yards in the air, 20 touchdowns, 10 picks. The big key here is 140 rush attempts for 950 yards and eight touchdowns so that is a very good rookie season that's i mean i guess that's justin fields yeah i mean <laughs> it, it's legitimately worse than justin fields on the ground of last year and it's just actually somewhat better than the worst thing we've seen over the past 55 years through the year yeah i mean it, it's a, it's a lot for anthony richardson to put up this but if you're projecting him out to play all 17 games I think he I think these numbers are fairly reasonable. You're I mean the thousand yards does seem like a lot. The total of eight touchdowns, it it does seem like a lot for a rookie quarterback to put up these type of numbers and put up a number eight overall finish. But I think we've seen it, man. Like I, I think we're already starting to see the tea leaves crumble that he's going to be the starting quarterback from week one. Gardner Minshew, I think they're already splitting snaps from what we've seen throughout their uh, mini camps and practices so far. So I think by the time we get there, he's going to be the quarterback from week one on. And while it might not be good for true NFL terms, I think it's going to be very, very good for fantasy. Do they try to rein him in a little bit more and try to make him into a little bit more of a pocket passer just for the betterment of the offense it could happen 
but I think he's just too he's too good on the ground and as an athlete to try to hamper him at all. And I think you got to see what he can do just on his own as a playmaker year one. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, the legs in the air, just looking at kind of how the, the past distribution is going to look uh, it's Michael Pittman. You know, he's going to get about 110 targets here in this offense. Uh, that's going to be just about 900 yards and six touchdowns. Outside of that, you got 60 targets for Alec Pierce, another 50 targets for for Josh Downs, 50 targets for Jelani Woods, just you know, 50 targets for Isaiah McKenzie. Pretty even pass distribution for this style of offense, which is kind of what you'd expect for for a rookie quarterback. And I, I maybe would say a little bit more for Michael Pittman, but in the end, I mean, when you have 473 pass attempts, there's really not a lot to go around. Right, and this is this is what I based off of the Kevin Stefanski offense from his time with Jalen Hurts. So this is kind of the baseline that I tried to build this offensive projection around. And so this pass attempt number and the rushing number that I gave to Anthony Richardson was kind of built off of that with a little bit of the Justin Fields uh, projection built into that as well. I just, I just don't see for Michael Pittman, while I really like the player, especially this year with Anthony Richardson being his quarterback, I don't know if it really gets any better than this. And it's unfortunate for a player who's really never had that quarterback to be able to elevate him to what I think he can be. Maybe he gets out of this offense next year, but I, I don't see it really come to fruition for Pittman this year. Yeah, I think you meant um, Steichen, but I'm with you. Um, yes, definitely Steichen. <laughs> but yeah, no, on the ground, though, you're going to have a great rushing attack with Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor is going to have about 1,300 yards on the ground, 11 touchdowns, another 250 yards in the air for with two touchdowns. And that will actually uh, grade out for, I believe, running back seven on the season. So uh, a nice rebound year for Jonathan Taylor after a, after a down season. I mean, truly a down season for this entire offense. The offensive line was banged up. Everyone had high hopes for Indy and they end up with a top five pick. So that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, just how these types of things work out. Uh, but it should be a good bounce back year. Uh, Michael Pittman grades out at wide receiver 34, Jelani Woods tied in 37. Outside of that, really nothing of note. No, not really. I, I don't see anything through the air really helping out this offense and really being a key contributor for fantasy. I know a lot of people have a lot of hope for Jelani Woods, but we've seen this offense. I, I know it's a new system and new scheme and everything, but this offense has always had just like five guys at tight end that always just ran out and none of them can ever take the leap into what we think they could be. Um, if, for Jonathan Taylor as well, while his efficiency does go up, it does hurt the fact that he does have a rushing quarterback. And so it probably yep. dampens his outlook for the amount of total touches that he can have. And so I think while running back seven is a fantastic year, may not be the, the point that some people want him to bounce back to, to be that number one running back overall, but still, still a pretty good season from Jonathan Taylor. Yep, absolutely. So I, I would definitely take that. I think all JT owners would, would love to see that bounce back too. So um, moving on to Jacksonville, another an offense here that we we have high expectations for. Uh, again, another year of Doug Peterson with, with Trevor Lawrence should be another step forward for T-Law. You have him statted out as 612 attempts, 400, sorry, 4,555 yards, 29 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 320 yards on the ground with three touchdowns good enough for quarterback 10 on the season 
and uh, you have some fun passing distribution here as well. Again, Calvin Ridley added to this offense. So just looking at the the wide receivers and tight ends, we're looking at Christian Kirk with 142 passing uh, with 142 targets. Calvin Ridley with 110. Some people might be like, oh, it should be flip flopped, but I, I'm I'm kind of with you. Uh, Zay Jones with 67, and then you have 111 to Evan Ingram. Uh, this is going to be again high powered, high passing offense, and I fully expect to see some big numbers out of these guys throughout the seasons. Yeah, this is this is honestly an offense that I kind of, it kind of reminds me with the distribution of everything. It reminds me a little bit of like the jet or the Cincinnati Bengals light version where they're just not as high powered. The efficiency just isn't really like just isn't there as much, but I do think it's within the range of possibilities to get to where like that Bengals offense was last year. If, if T law can take another step forward, if Calvin Ridley really is that guy and can come back after two years off, um, you know, we, we saw the, we saw the drill that he was going through right before we went live here where, I mean, his feet are damn freaking quick still like that, that has not left him. He is, he was churning <laughs> through that ladder drill. Like he was a freaking jackrabbit, but, um, I, I, I still have my doubts about what he can be coming back in this year. I'm going to let him prove it to me. So I still will have Christian Kirk as being the number one in this offense. Calvin Ridley being a is still a fairly good number two in this offense, and then Zay Jones being the three, Evan Ingram being another very good target through the passing game. And so uh, other than those guys, you know, you have a little bit of the passing game going through Travis Etienne and, and split between Bigsby and Michael Hastie and Dearness Johnson through the running back room. But I think this passing offense is really going to be centered around Kirk Ridley, Jones, and Ingram. Yeah, looking at Kirk, you have him uh, with uh, 1,150 yards, seven touchdowns. Ridley with uh, 950 and seven touchdowns. Zay Jones is still going to get you know some some decent targets with 400 yards total, uh, three touchdowns. And Evan Ingram uh, actually has 870 yards, five touchdowns, kind of giving you some of the perspective in terms of fantasy production. Christian Kirk, wide receiver, 16. You then have Ridley at wide receiver, 30, which isn't bad for for a comeback year for him. And Evan Ingram, tight end four. So, Ooh. yeah, I mean, hey, when you get in five touchdowns too, man. Yeah. Like that, that touchdown variance could go up to like an eight or nine, and he could be up at like the the tight end three that we saw from Hawkinson last year with those numbers. Yeah, Ingram, I'm very excited. I actually hope they figure out a contract before the the deadline in, in July, because um, I would love to see him tied to Doug Peterson long term. And so would all my Evan Ingram shares. So uh, (laughs) moving into the running back room, you do have Travis Etienne still as the lead back here. Uh, 200 yards or 200 carries, 1,100 yards on the ground and another 350 yards in the air with eight total touchdowns. Uh, Not bad for Travis Etienne. You actually have Etienne as your RB 14 and you actually have a decent stat line for for Tank Bigsby getting about 500 yards on the ground, another uh, 100 in the air for with three total touchdowns. Nothing super fantasy relevant, but he might have some good best ball weeks for sure. Yeah, and if I really had to look at this offense again, I might make that split between ETN and Tank Bigsby on the ground a little bit closer. Um, And honestly, even a little bit through the air, too, because we have, you know, seen with Travis Etienne, he's kind of that behind the line of scrimmage pass catcher. Not that I think Tank Bigsby is anything really different. I don't think he's a you know lethal weapon from like you're not going to split him out from the slot or anything and have him go running routes. But I do think these two are a little bit closer than I currently have a projected out right now. 
yeah, when I was looking at the the two two twelve to one oh nine split, I was a little surprised to see that that kind of far apart. Um, and the big talk has been out of the Jags camp that Tank actually might be the pass catching back. So maybe the flip flop of the uh, targets end up happening. I mean. Again, there's a lot of question marks for some of these teams because we have a lot of additional depth brought into the backfields. Uh, and again, Tank Bigsby is nothing to to dismiss. He may not be as big as Travis Etienne, but he has no problem running between the tackles where Etienne has vocally said he doesn't like to do that. Etienne doesn't like to pass catch where Tank is capable as well so very interesting to see how some of those splits end up working out there but yeah should be a very fun jacksonville jaguars offense yeah now outside of those guys i mean really really are i think the only ones that really are of note here t law etn and bigsby you're looking at that split and trying to project out what it is i'm probably going to bring it a little bit closer so kind of take those numbers with a little bit of hesitation until we get those a little bit. I think those are going to move closer, but then Kirk Ridley Jones, Ingram, Brenton strange. They, they, they have ran a very high powered two tight end offense before with Doug Peterson system. Now it was with Goddard and Zach Ertz. And those are two very, very good tight ends, but they did spend pretty significantly high draft capital on Brenton strange. And yeah. so maybe Brenton strange could actually be a, more legitimate cut into the production of Evan Ingram this year. Very, very true. I mean, again, if they, especially if they don't get a contract figured out, maybe that's something where they start to phase in strange uh, as the season goes on and, and just say, Hey, you know what? This guy's more than capable. We spent draft capital on him. Let's see what happens here. So yeah, then uh, let's move to the final team in the AFC South. And I have a bone to pick with you on this offense. Um, we'll, we'll chat about here in a minute. So yeah. you do have Ryan Tannehill, with 494 pass attempts, uh, 3,700 yards in the air, 23 touchdowns, 10 picks, another 215 on the ground with three touchdowns. Um, so again, it's a very Ryan Tannehill season, grading out as QB 21. Uh, looking at the target distribution, you have 114 targets for Traylon Burks, uh, just under 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. So a solid season for for Traylon, right around uh, wide receiver 26. So high-end wide receiver three close to that back end wide receiver two area where you kind of would project him at and then pretty solid distribution for the targets from there on out with 50 60 70 for uh, Chris Moore Kyle Phillips and Nick Westbrook Akine and 77 targets for Chig Okonkwo um, but again nothing really of note other than um, Traylon and then Chig you actually have as tight end 14 with 660 and five for his yeah, the, the issue with this offense is really starting at the quarterback, right? And that might be where you have the bone to pick with me of they spent a high, high, you know, draft capital pick on Will Levis. I do have Ryan Tannehill statted up for all 17 games here. One, just for a little bit of ease to try to project out what that's going to look like if he were to start all 17 games and using his projections. It's a lot easier than trying to project what they will use the rookie as. I do think that Ryan Tannehill could start all 17 games here, though. I don't think yep. that's outside of the possibility at all. I still really like Ryan Tannehill as a above, right at about an average league passer. I just don't think he's an elevator of any of the pieces around him, which is why I think they have to try to find something else because they can never get over that hump with Ryan Tannehill, with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback right now. But you're not saying that it's Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis splits that you're having a bone to pick with me, so where is the bone to pick? 
Yeah, so I have no issue with the passing game. I feel like that that's pretty pretty much what you would expect. Traylon is is the one. Chiggy showed showed some promise. Maybe they'll give him a, a, a solid role here. But this is pretty much what I expected. Where I have the bone to pick is is Derrick Henry grading out as RB fifteen with twelve hundred and eighty two yards on the ground, twelve touchdowns, another one sixty nine in the air, and and I get it. You know, I get the the the, the passing work isn't there. But man, I have a tough time seeing Derrick Henry as an RB fifteen. So let let me let me go back through and try to find it real quick because I think we are filtered currently for the uh, running back like full total finishes. I do only have Derrick Henry okay. statted out for fifteen games. Okay, um, and and that's why you will see a bit of a higher workload for Tajay Spears as I currently have it listed out. And so, if you were to just go by fantasy points per game, I actually have Derrick Henry as a top ten running back. Okay, All right. uh, which does also still feel a little low, but okay. it's it's can, better than better than fifteen. That. Yeah, that's that's much more acceptable than than RB two. I was like, RB two next to Derrick Henry just feels like I don't know three years from now. I don't know, but uh, but yeah. That was the bone to pick. But yeah, you do have Tajay with uh, 464 yards on the ground, um, 320 yards in the air for with five total touchdowns, which was a, a solid rookie season, especially when you're behind Derrick Henry. So again, you're statting him out to have maybe a couple starts in there with with uh, with, with Henry. Love that. I, I think I'm, I'm good with that all around. But again, this is just going to be an offense. I, I really don't know what's going to happen in Tennessee. And, and you, you mentioned the Will Levis, Ryan Tannehill thing. I could see Will Levis coming into play if this team just falls apart. If they have another rough year, if things just aren't looking good for the Tennessee Titans, maybe they'll give Will Levis the the ball down the stretch just to see what they have in this young quarterback, give him the the Jalen Hurts season, give him five starts down the stretch. But I kind of think they're going to be competitive. Like the South isn't that good. You have two rookie quarterbacks with, uh, you know, with A-Rich, Stroud. I mean, I guess Will Levis too. I, I just... I don't know. I, I just don't know what to make of this division as a whole. It feels like it's kind of up for grabs other than Jacksonville. And so maybe they're competing for a wild card spot and they're in it. But uh, I think <sighs> I, th- I do agree with you that I think they're better still than what most people think. Like some yeah. people think that they're going to be in legitimate, like Caleb Williams conversations. And I, I don't Dude. think they're that we, we've seen what Mike Vrabel can do. I think he's very much kind of along the lines of Tomlin where it seems like they're just going to kind of be middling coaches that are always raising up the level of their team better than what they actually have in terms of just talent on the field. And so I think they're still going to win games. Um, but what, what that contributes to and what that means for the splits of Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis, I'm not exactly sure. I do think Will Levis probably enters the field at some point this season. I just can't predict where it is, and it's just it's it's a lot easier for the total terms of the offense to try to predict it with a Ryan Tannehill in there for seventeen. And so it it will be a thing though to monitor through the off season of about how short of a leash Ryan Tannehill seems to have. If it seems like hey, if anything goes wrong here, four games in, we can throw Will yeah. Levis in. These projections will change, and I'll probably even lower it from here, which is good for nobody. So, um, other than Derrick Henry, other than Derrick Tra- Henry, <laughs> other than Derrick Henry, Cherylon Burks, Shigo Conquo in the right format, I don't really want anybody. I uh, couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. I think you, you, I think you kind of just want Derrick Henry and, and you have hope for Traylon, right? Like, I think that's pretty much it. So yeah, uh, that ends the the South and, and let's go into what was Your supposed, boys. 
Yeah, my, my boys, the Denver Broncos, and what was supposed to be some high-powered, amazing AFC West last year that just crapped the bed. Um, and, and it starts off with no no one else other than Russell Wilson crapping the bed last year. But you have him at 540 pass attempts, 4,200 yards, 29 touchdowns, 12 picks, 300 yards on the ground with another two touchdowns, grading out as QB 15, which, you know, I'm going to take that in comparison to what we saw last year. I mean, that was just woof. So last year uh, was atrocious. I, I, I did project, I did project for a little bit of regression to the mean. Honestly, it isn't that much though. I think that honestly, if you look at it as a total points per game basis, I don't think he needs that much progression back to the mean of what he was to really get back to a mid QB two level. I know it's a little bit higher here, but we've talked about it before. The difference in separation between a lot of these guys from like quarterback 12 to quarterback 18 really isn't that much. Right. And I do think Russ, and again, I, I might have a little bias here, but I just don't think it was, can get, first of all, it can't get any worse than last year, right? Like you had Nathaniel Hackett, that offense was atrocious. He, I mean, when the tight end coach became the offensive coordinator slash head coach, uh, that offense looked a lot better. So Sean Payton's in town, uh, you know, cautiously optimistic, but again, I don't think he's going to be some top six quarterback. So looking at the the target distribution, you do have 110 targets to Cortland Sutton, 106 to Jerry Judy, 67 to Greg Dolchich. Um, that pretty much rounds out the ones of note. You have you do have 60 to Samaj Pirine and 54 to, to Javante Williams. So there is some some running back targets, which I fully expect with this offense. Um, no like superstars in the offense, you know, Judy, you have at wide receiver 31 Sutton wide receiver 35. It's it, they're It's going to be good, but it's not going to be anything where you're like, Oh yeah, I got to start this guy every week. Like I feel for the Judy owners right now. Yeah. And it's one of the things while doing my projections, I think that it just looking at the historical profiles of both Judy and Sutton and Sutton just has more of a higher target volume and Judy's, more of he's a higher catch percentage guy and so they kind of come in pretty even here i'm i'm not a big judy over over sutton guy or a sutton over judy guy and i think it's kind of representative in the stats as we have them played out here where they're pretty pretty just standard right next to each other i mean only four receptions worth of difference within 40 yards of each other through the air within two touchdowns of each other at seven and for judy and sutton five I think they're going to be pretty mid. Um, does Russell Wilson have a connection that improves with one of them? Could one of them still be traded? I mean, we we heard the we heard the trade rumors around Cortland Sutton all throughout the you know time around the NFL draft, but nothing came to fruition. I still think this is going to be a pretty good split between the two of them, though. I I, I don't really have one of them standing out over the other. Yeah, uh, Sean Payton has come out and had nothing but incredible things to say about Jerry Judy and and, and has some high expectations for him. So um, there is the absolute possibility that he does grow into the alpha in this team. But Cortland Sutton and Russell Wilson, there were lots of talks of them having good chemistry together. Uh, just that big body type of player could totally see, see Cortland Sutton. I, it's a toss up. I could see both of them having about 110 to 120 targets, which is right around where you project. And you have them, right. you know, respectively 960, 920 in terms of yardage. That's right there. So 
yep, uh, solid distribution there for for this uh, wide receiver core. Greg Dolchich, I think, is the one that people are interested in in the tight end room. You have him at 500 yards, four touchdowns, and like I said, tight end 24, nothing special there. Looking at running backs, Javante, you do have him missing a few games um, with the ACL injury, which makes a lot of sense. 200 yards on the ground, 906 rushing yards, six touchdowns with 300 in the air and three touchdowns. And Samaji Piran should have a decent role early on. 450 yards on the ground, another 350 in the air, and six combined touchdowns. Um, there are rumors of Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, and Dalvin Cook being tied to Denver, which may change things immensely and, and potentially ruin Javante. So yeah, would be very interesting if one, something like that happened. And I did forget that I actually came back and have statted out since we've seen the recent news on Javante that he okay. looks like he's well above. Uh, I, I, f- I forgot about it earlier, but looking at this again now, I did actually restat him out for a full 17. However, I have him starting off slower on the first couple of games. So I didn't knock him the full projection of games at the beginning, but I did just kind of split the you know, workload down to about like a 50% for the first couple of games and then work back into that full workload that we would expect from Javante over Smaje P. Ryan, which... You know, people can say whatever they want about Javante Williams. He was still like an RB2 in Dynasty or RB3 in Dynasty at one point, very, very recently. And it seems that we've shifted off of that incredibly quickly just because of a knee injury. Um, I, I was never I was never that high on him, but it feels like we've kind of overswung the pendulum a little bit too high. But you did mention all the concerns as well, where the team seems to be linked to a lot of running backs coming in and potentially being a portion of this offensive workload with him. So um he's he's all right for right now but I, I don't think you're expecting anything special and there is a lot of other circumstances that are giving him negatives around him right now yeah you do have him as rb19 overall on the year um you know just looking at that overall ranks and and i could see it i i was high on javante i just don't know how this this type of knee injury is going to impact him um because it was you know like a full-on tear of right. everything in his knee. So uh will be very interesting to see how his what his actual recovery timeline is. Does he come back? Is he healthy? Does he have to go back in for for you know uh, another cleanup surgery? So uh we'll see. We'll 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 see how that kind of plays out. But enough of talking of, of the sadness of the Denver Broncos and go to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs and nowhere else to start off with than who you have as QB five overall Patrick Mahomes with 650 pass attempts 5,000 yards 39 touchdowns 14 picks 350 on the ground with another two touchdowns and uh, you know it's going to be another great year for Patrick Mahomes he he is the QB one in dynasty and I mean, he's shown that he does not need Tyreek around. and But it's almost a little bit of heresy, isn't it? I mean, QB5 on the season? I mean, that, that variance from QB1 <laughs> overall to where he should be every single year down to QB5. Um, actually, if you look at it year over year for the last three years, Josh Allen is actually much more of a QB1 than Patrick Mahomes is. Yep. But Josh Allen misses a couple of games and Patrick Mahomes hasn't other than the one injury that he suffered. And so... Um, I think that they're still much closer than everybody's making it out to be, but Patrick Mahomes has had a little bit more year to year variance because the rushing floor isn't as high for him. And I think that's so you need that top of the top of the league elite season and passing every single year, which he is fully capable of, Mm -hmm. but the variance will bring him down a little bit. And so just 
don't overreact that it's QB five. He's still QB one or QB two at Dynasty. Then looking at the pass catchers, uh, obviously you start nowhere else than Travis Kelsey. We're going to start tight ends here instead of wide receivers because this is where it matters. Travis Kelsey, the tight end one, and there's no debate about that. So you have him with 115 catches, 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, just unfreaking real. Just incredible, incredible guy. Uh generational talent i, I just I, don't know what i, can say I will him. not project a fall off for travis kelsey ever again until i see it <laughs> I will see not it. do it uh, i will not do it i will project him to be tight end one every single year until he proves me otherwise yep and i mean that's that's pretty much where it starts and ends for the pass catchers uh outside of that you do have Kadarius tony with 96 targets uh, mvs with 63 55 for sky Moore, 53 for rasheed rice and 45 for richie james um i know the one justin ross wasn't mentioned here and i'm sure people are going to shame you for that but i mean come on i'm i'm sorry that i didn't put the next randy moss on here um <laughs> that, that that is my bad <laughs> Um, I still believe that he is the wide receiver option seven though on this team. So, um, he will not hit the projections until I see him running with the ones and running with the ones in preseason games. Uh, yep. But, but I will say for the actual pass catchers that matter in this offense, that should actually be rostered in dynasty. I don't know where this is going to be one of those teams like we talked about last week. We haven't talked about as much this week. One of the teams that I just have a lot of variability with about how I will project it over the course of the offseason. I believe these targets will become more condensed as we get closer to the offseason. But I at this point, I just don't know which of these guys are really going to be commanding much of the role. Which ones are even running with the ones? Is MVS still with the ones? I like I don't know with where we're standing right now. I'm going to wait till we get to true training camps for that information and I'll adjust. It's really spread out as it is right now, but I do think one or two of these guys will really improve themselves over the rest of the field and be worth more in dynasty and better projected out over the course of the season. I mean, you saw it last year with Juju where he was like truly the only one in the wide receiver room that separated himself out. And so, I mean, I could I could see this. You could see about 100, 100 targets for Tony. I mean, you do have him with 700 yards. You got 400 for Sky, about 600 for MVS, 400 for uh, Rasheed and Richie James is at 330. I mean, Patrick Mahomes distributes the ball. Whoever gets open, he doesn't really care. And I think that's the big thing with Tyreek leaving is like he just doesn't he doesn't care. It's it's the Travis Kelsey show. And then if someone else is open downfield somewhere else, Mahomes will find him. And I could see this being very balanced um, outside of like the number one wide receiver, whoever that ends up being. But yeah, uh, who? It, it totally could. It totally could play out exactly like last season. I, I still think somebody should emerge as a normal one for an offense that is run by a Patrick Mahomes system. However, it, this might just be the new norm. Like, well, when we don't have a Tyree kill type, we're just going to spread it all the way around, and then it's going to be Travis Kelsey over the middle 10 times a game. Uh, it, it, this might be how it goes. Diop. I'm going to sort of keep saying DeAndre Hopkins oh, until, until we can make it come true. I mean, I know Buffalo was one. I know he visited Tennessee. Uh, he visited New England. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of it. He's going to go somewhere and ruin someone's fantasy value. But, man, if he could end up in Kansas City – but it sounds like they're out. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm going to keep saying it until it happens. 
They can work the cap around. Just go in and push for yeah. another push for another ship. Let's go. Make but, it happen. Uh, until until it happens, we won't we won't try to project anything out. Let's go to the running backs though, where I do have Isaiah yeah. Pacheco leading this team by a decent margin. Yeah, this one was a bit surprising when I saw this. You have 250 carries, 1150 yards for Isaiah Pacheco, eight touchdowns uh, on the ground with another two touchdowns in the air and about 170 additional yards in the air. Uh, good enough for running back 20 um, on the season. So that's a pretty solid year. Everything else is pretty much distributed down with, with CEH and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, McKinnon does lead the backfield in targets with 61 targets, 400 yards uh, receiving and another four touchdowns. I... I'm I'm a little surprised, but maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe maybe, maybe this is Isaiah Pacheco's backfield, but I mean, 42 rushes for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, are they just? Is he just gone? Is he just going to disappear off into the into the night? Yeah, because he's bad, um, and Isaiah Pacheco's better. So okay. if they're both healthy for 17, I fully believe Isaiah Pacheco is much better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I mean, I'm with you. I, I I don't disagree, but I would be. I, I'd be surprised if they just threw him off to the to the curb like that. But I mean, I, I am I am taking more from the sample of Isaiah Pacheco at the end of the year whenever Clyde wasn't in there. Like that that is the sample that I'm going okay. off of. And what is what would be the split when both of these guys were healthy? But I think we've seen the difference between these two guys both running. And I don't think anybody can look at the field and objectively say that Isaiah Pacheco isn't much better than Clyde Edwards Alaire as a true runner between the tackles. I, yep. I just I, I don't see it, especially whenever you get in between the twenties, which is your moneymaker like touchdown rushes. Uh, maybe the rushing attempts are a little bit more of a split, but I, I can't see any way where Isaiah Pacheco isn't kind of the true hammer of this offense. He just looks so much more explosive. So I'm I'm with you. I, I there's the number, the single like this double digits number for Clyde was a little surprising, but um I could see that. I could see it end up being a full on RBBC if everyone's healthy. But I mean CEH hasn't stayed healthy the past two years, only playing 10 games in each of the last two years. So nothing would surprise me out of this backfield. I mean, they don't need a need a running back. <laughs> right? Not when you have Patrick Mahomes. You can yep. just kind of you give, give your 350 carries and then let Patrick Mahomes sling it for another 650 and just have that past run ratio of absolutely ridiculous margins. And he's still incredibly efficient and in beating everybody. Yep. Well, let's move on to another offense that doesn't have quite the, the fun efficiency, but you're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, hopefully playing maybe. quarterback for him. Hopefully, maybe. But you have him currently statted out for 550 attempts uh, with 4,100, almost 4,200 yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 picks, and I mean, I guess 67 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, I guess is worth noting. And most of those targets are going to Devontae Adams. He's garnering 160 targets, uh, 1,400 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That is going to be good enough for wide receiver six overall. Jacoby Myers with 97 targets, 800 yards, five touchdowns, and that is going to be good for about wide receiver 40. Michael Mayer, I think, is the one I, that I'd like to see here as the third target in this offense with 65 targets, just under 500 yards, three touchdowns, and that grades out as tight end 27 as a rookie. Um, I mean, it's Devontae Adams. Like, there, yeah, there's Jacoby and Hunter Renfro, but it's Devontae Adams show. It, it it should be the full Devontae Adams show. The only thing that you really have here is questions with Jimmy G. I don't have any concerns about him being the quarterback for the Raiders. Like, 
I, I think this was way overblown by the media about this whole foot injury thing and this injury clause. This is standard contract stuff for for this. They basically have an exemption on if this injury reflares up, then the contract is void. Yep, standard standard type of contract stuff overblown in my opinion i think he's going to be the quarterback for the raiders for all 17 games don't have any questions there what i do have questions about though is that this team has historically been a higher pass offense and jimmy g has been a low pass but high efficiency quarterback over the course of his career at least in san francisco so can he take the jump up to being you know you're going to pass 60 times more over the course of a season and you have to maintain the same the same efficiency and hopefully Devonte Adams can be the kind of guy who makes that happen. And he's going to be a massive target in this offense for that. I don't know. I have concerns, but as of now, I think Devonte Adams is a razor of your quarterback. And uh, I'm going to say that Devonte Adams is still going to have a fantastic year. Yeah. Even with Jimmy G, even with the concerns outside of that though, Michael Mayer, I have starting off a little bit slower because I do think Austin Hooper could be a little bit of a contributor early in the year. So really, outside of Devontae Adams, do you want really anything here in the passing game? Yeah, I mean, nothing in the passing game. Like, I mean, truly, Jimmy G is going to be a quarterback two. I, I mean, again, quarterback three, I guess, if he's on my team, I'd much rather be you know excited about that. But you have him at QB 20 on the season. Um, hopefully, he's my QB three. It makes me feel a lot better about where I have him. And then you want Josh Jacobs. Uh, you have him at 1,200 yards on the ground with another 320 in the air. You have 10 touchdowns on the ground. You actually give him his first career receiving touchdown. At least you're projecting it. He's He has zero. That was the crazy stat when you were talking about that the other day. Zero receiving touchdowns in his entire career. That is freaking wild. He's in year five, man. Like how? And how it's a you, good chunk of targets. How do you not utilize? Well, well, the issue was they didn't utilize him that way over the first three years of his career. And then we finally saw it happen last year where they were like, oh, he can actually be a three down back and actually be used as a pass catcher. Wow. This was just not seen under the Gruden offense. Okay, let's use him that way. And he still can't get a freaking receiving touchdown. He has to get one. There's no way you go as the main workhorse back for five years and don't get a receiving touchdown. I, I had to give him at least one. I'm looking at it now because I actually wanted to see. I mean, it's just a hair in his career. He's a hair under 200 targets. So it's 64, 64, 45, 27. So just a hair under 200 targets total for his career and no receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, but that's going to be a very good uh, season for Josh Jacobs. Good enough for running back eight on the year. Um, so you do have so, two high-powered players or, you know, two elite scorers in this offense with uh, with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. Uh, but the rest of them are going to be more dart throws. I mean, uh, Zamir Wide, Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden, whoever's in this backfield doesn't really matter unless there's an injury. And, you know, I like Jacoby Myers. I think, you know, he's, he could have a role but I just don't know how significant it's going to be. I mean, if he's getting 100 targets, you know, 800 yards, five touchdowns, I mean, that's a that's a good Jacoby season, you know, wide receiver 40. But again, if it's a lineup league, I don't feel great about having to start him unless it's like a start 13 type league. And in best ball, I think is really where I want him. He's an all right floor player, but it's going to be highly dependent upon what their run pass ratio is. Um, if Jimmy G is actually slinging the ball around, Jacoby's actually going to be useful. If he's not, I have him kind of projected for a mid. He's really not even useful in the mid range. And so 
Jimmy G is going to have to pass at a rate that he's never done before. And I just don't know if he's going to sustain the efficiency to actually be good if he does that. So um, Jacoby, unfortunately, I have been a little bit higher on Jacoby. And this is this process has actually kind of turned me off of Jacoby Myers a little bit since I did it. Yeah, I mean, and I get it. I just, yeah, I, I, I still am cautiously optimistic. I, I think, that, you know, that familiarity with uh, with McDaniels, hopefully they they figure it out. And, and him not being the actual one like he was in New England, maybe there's a little bit more efficiency there. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to trying to it's going to come at the cost of adams in my opinion it's going to come at the cost of adams if he is better so uh forget that adam yeah exactly no no it's not going to happen for all of your adam shares out there yep no no that's so we're going to wrap up there anything else you want to touch on with vegas sorry about that no the the only thing the the only thing i could see changing here is if we get some preseason news of michael mayer being the one from day one he'll be a lot higher because I do have a pretty significant split between him and Austin Hooper right now. So Michael Mayer could come in a lot higher. I've been a Michael Mayer tight end one in in rookie rankings guy. Um, And I do think long-term he's still that over Dalton Kincaid. And it's not going to be reflective in my 2023 projections. But I, I think Michael Mayer, if he could be close to that Kincaid level by this time we get to the start of the season. If things are, if things change. And we'll finally finish these projections by the time we get to the start of the season, we are on, almost on hour two here. We're on the final team of the AFC West here. Uh, we have the Los Angeles chargers and Justin Herbert with 660 pass attempts over 5,000 yards, 36 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 300 on the ground with another four touchdowns, uh, a bounce back season for Justin Herbert after, uh, you know, he got banged up last year. So uh, that did hamper some expectations. You actually have him at QB four this season. So very, very good bounce back for, for Justin Herbert. Right. I, I, I've, Honestly, I don't have a Justin Herbert share in Dynasty. So if anybody's out there and you have a Justin Herbert share in a league that I'm in with you, send me over a trade offer because I'm willing to pick up some more shares over the next two months before the season starts. I really want some Justin Herbert, man. With with this Kellen Moore offense coming in from the Joe Lombardi, just disgusting, like 1.0 average depth of target system that they've been running over the past couple of years. I love Justin Herbert this year, man. He's coming back healthy. I think the rushing upticks from what we saw from last year, I think the passing work increases the uh, obviously the depth of target. You're not just throwing 15,000 dump off passes to Austin Eckler for two yards, unlike you were with the last off. I, I really like what we could see with Justin Herbert, and I, I think he could evolve a lot with this new offense. So looking at the, the 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 rest of this offense here and how these targets distribute, you do have Keenan Allen with 150 targets, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, uh, and that is going to grade out as wide receiver 11. You have Mike Williams with 107 targets, just under 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, and that's going to be good enough for wide receiver 28. You do actually have uh, Austin Eckler with 97 targets, 600 yards, four touchdowns in the air, with another 900 yards on the ground, good enough for running back three and then i wanted to wrap up here with gerald everett 92 targets 700 yards five touchdowns for tight end seven so very high powered offense and uh, i think those are the true names of note for this team yeah obviously you got the rookie quentin johnston coming in there and factoring in a little bit but 
I think these are health bets on Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, uh, I'm going to have them as of now projected out at 17. That might change just with the with the recency that they, they those two have had with their health bets. I might honestly bring those down to like 13 or 14 games apiece for those two, and that would obviously raise Quentin, Quentin Johnston up a good bit in terms of his projections. But Keenan Allen, I, I I love Keenan Allen so much. I, I think I don't think that he is washed at all. He came on strong at the end of the season whenever he was fully back and healthy. And so I think it's just a health bet that he can stay there at that same level through the 2023 season. If he does, I think there's no question that he's the wide receiver one for this team. Um, Austin Eckler, I do have coming down a good bit in his total receiving production, but he's still grading out as running back three because he's still heavily involved and he's, you know, he's under 200 attempts on the ground. I do have that split going a little bit away from what he's had over the past couple of years, but he's coming in right at a thousand yards and then another 600. I mean, it's going to be a very good year again. I really, I really, really like this offense and I love a lot of their top weapons this year. Yep. I'm with you as well. I, I, I think, uh, they're they're still fuming about that Jacksonville loss in the playoffs where they let T-Law just demolish them in the second half. And, you know, I think that with Kellen Moore and what this offense is going to do in 2023, they are going to be explosive. We're going to see Justin Herbert truly unleashed and and, and knock on wood with Keenan Allen uh, and, and Mike Williams as well. You know, health bets. You do have Quentin Johnston, just so everyone knows, 75 targets, 600 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, and, and again, that's just because of what's in front of him. And that is good enough for what wide receiver, I believe 59. Yeah. 59. So yikes. Yeah. And again, health bet, maybe he gets another 25 targets, right? Maybe, maybe some way, somehow he gets another 25 targets and that, that, you know, increases him up the the chart a little bit, but um, they handled Keenan Allen's injury right last year. They, they gave him all the time in the world just said, Hey, make sure you're 100% when you come back, let's not risk this. And when he did come back, he looked great. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, ju- I just don't think he steps in as the wide receiver, one of the wide receiver two yeah. outside of injury on this team. Nope. I don't see that happening as a rookie no yeah, unless it's very much at the end of the year, whenever he finally figures it out over like the last six or four or six games. And that probably won't even matter for you unless you're making the playoffs and you're using him as a playoff push. And then even in that situation, Mike Williams has probably, you know, gotten his fifth injury of the year and is actually out for the rest of the year at that point. So literally just a health bet on the two wide receivers, Quentin Johnson can fill in the role, but I, I love everybody who's going to be a major contributor in this offense. That wraps up our AFC. Is there anything else you wanted to note on here? I mean, this is another two hours. Uh, appreciate you, you you lasting with us here for, for these two hours. Again, if you want all of Cody's projections, uh, make sure you follow both of us on Twitter at Cody Smith TFDR at Trophy Chase TFDR. And make sure you do subscribe to the YouTube channel the fantasy draft room at the fantasy draft room and then just send a screenshot to to cody or myself we'll make sure that you get um full access to all the projections this way you can go through those you can talk to cody as well about um how to make tweaks if you want to know more about that but yeah anything else you want to touch on here i mean the afc has a lot of high-powered offenses and i mean it's it's gonna be a lot of fun on this it took us a lot longer it took us a little bit longer because we spent a lot more time on dallas explaining that one again if you've somehow gotten here and are like what the hell did i just listen to go back to the first episode listen into the first 20 minutes or so and you break down this in a lot more detail about how i get to all of these numbers 
Um, and if you do want to use these projections, if you do have any questions about them, I've been answering questions over the past week from a couple of people who have reached out, just like, how do you get to this number? How do you get to this number? And it's like, oh, okay, well, I use this offense that Todd Munkin was running with the Buccaneers and kind of basing it off of that. Uh, I'm using the Hackett offense for the New York Jets to see if, you know, I can project that for the New York Jets this year with Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett there. Um, I have a process for everything, how this goes, but it's a lot of backend stuff that doesn't really get shown on the page. And it's a lot harder to transcribe everything to you in a two hour podcast. So please, if you have any questions about how I get to any of these numbers, more than happy to go through them with y'all and explain in more detail how any of these numbers really come out. Yep. I appreciate you doing this. This was a, a fun four hours of, of going through, going through both of this. Um, but yeah. Uh, any last things you want to wrap up on? Look at- no, just, just again, try if, if you want these projections, I, I truly think this is, it takes a long time to use this projection model, but if you're using my basis off of it, all of these numbers will be provided to you. You can tweak them any way you want. It saves you a lot of time. I put in probably 45 hours into this over the past three weeks, and so it saves you a lot of time, and everything will output for you. So pl- please make full use of this, and by all means, ask for it. Um, if you have any issues with it at all, reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to accommodate you and anything, anything that I can do. I have future plans for this as well to make it even better and adjust to all of your scoring formats and stuff as well. So we're, we're, we're really trying to grow this tool from here on out. Perfect. And again, make sure you are part of the Patreon. I mentioned it before, hands down the best fantasy football community you can be a part of is Destination Debbie. Patreon.com forward slash all gas if you're in the heisman tier you're gonna have access to all of the destination debbie content creators you can ask your questions get expert advice from all of the content creators here um, and again incredible strategy conversations that go down in there all day every day if you can't make it in the heisman tier still have access to the trade channels the general chat that where you can ask questions we can break down rosters things like that just the best place to be make sure you check it out patreon.com forward slash all gas so with that being said, let's wrap out of here. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Overreaction Podcast. 